Hey, it's Patrick. As we head into the new year, we want to hear from you, our listeners, about what you like about OHSU Week and how we can do better. If you haven't done so already, please take a moment to tell us what you think. Just head to O2 and search for OHSU Week. As a token of our appreciation, you'll be entered into a drawing for a pair of Apple AirPods. And thank you for listening. Over 5,400 members participated in the first phase of OHSU's crowdsourced strategic planning process, creating 859 descriptors and casting more than 56,000 votes. President Danny Jacobs discusses what's been happening since and next steps for OHSU 2025. It's Tuesday, January 8th, and this is OHSU Week. I'm Patrick Holmes. I sat down with Dr. Jacobs to discuss OHSU 2025. It's been four weeks since the first phase of the OHSU 2025 strategic planning process ended. What has been happening since then? Well, we continue to be very, very busy. Um, that's that, that means we've been collecting the ideas, uh, trying to sort out the descriptions from those things that might be tasks or uh, methods to address issues. Remember, the process is to, def- is to define the future picture, uh, for the community to define the future picture for OHSU, uh, meaning what we want the institution to be in, in 2025. And so these are descriptions of that state. Uh, and so we had, have, we've had uh, lots of ideas submitted. As I suggested, some of these were not descriptions per se, but ideas. All were valuable. So we spent a lot of time trying to capture the descriptions where they exist. Uh, we've worked to translate some of the tactics and objectives to descriptions, all in preparation for the next phase of this work, which is to present the timeless aspirations that spring forward from the descriptions to the community uh, to see, did we get it right? Did we capture the voices? Uh, We want to make sure the members understand the process that we use to collapse and coalesce into this, you know, finite subset of things that we will use to describe our desired state in 2025. So that's a tremendous effort because, frankly, we had lots of ideas. I'm a tremendous number of ideas. We had tremendous participation. We had uh, thousands of votes. And so uh, I found the process to be very rewarding. uh, But the next step, I think, will be equally rewarding. Well, there are 859 descriptors to be exact. Was was that more than you were expecting? <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, it's a good news story because you, you get that kind of participation. Um, uh, it's extraordinary. Uh, it's very rare to get that kind of participation in my prior experiences. So that means, as I expected, the community was terrifically engaged and they had lots of ideas, which is how this process is supposed to work. The community, we together describe what we want OHSU to be in 2025. Uh, now, we can't have eight. 159 descriptions, so that means we're going to have to kind of call that down to a more finite set while still capturing the voice in all of those descriptions. Like the people that we're working with are very good at doing that, uh, but we will make sure that when the end result, at least along this in this next phase, because the process is all iterative, uh, illustrates how we try to take those 859 descriptions, a phenomenal number, a testament to the people, but coalesce those uh, to a smaller uh, subset. And um, now, there are a couple ways this can happen. We will, as I said, present this to everyone. I think we have a meeting coming up in about a week where we're going to show 
to the um, our task force, our uh, strategic council, you know, the first iteration of what this looks like, and then we will continue to share that information with the community writ large. But I think people will be very pleased uh, to see how we got from thousands of ideas down to uh, 859 descriptions, down to a set of timeless aspirations, goals, things that we want to have for the institution. And then the next step is to work from those timeless aspirations to the objectives that we believe we need to fulfill in order to meet our timeless aspirations or move us in that direction. And then that means we also get to the resource requirements as well as the tactics. And then how are we going to hold ourselves accountable for uh, what we said we were going to do? How are we going to measure our success? Because every good strategic plan is going to require some refinement along the way. I mean, it's meant to be, in my view, it should be an iterative process. So, so it's more than I was expecting by far. It's more than I think the experts in this area have seen uh, in terms of not being typical. But I think it's a good thing. It's a testament to the engagement that we have uh, uh, by community members. Did you get a chance to look at some of those descriptors? I, I did. I spent a lot of time in front of the uh, of the computer, and I should apologize because one of the things that I heard uh, repeatedly was, oh, my God, it's massive. It was massive. Uh, and so it could take lots of time to kind of go through them. But I did because I think it allowed me to get a sense, again, of what the community was thinking about uh, and to give me confidence that we were moving in the right direction as regards taking those ideas and, and descriptions and then trying to coalesce them. I wanted to make sure that I was confident about uh, the voice, uh, the voices being heard uh, based on the listening tour that I went through and uh, confident that uh, it, that it matched up with what I'd heard on the listening tour, which it did, and then to look at the process itself to try to be sensitive, at least to the tremendous amount of time <laughs> that we, I, we were asking members uh, to devote towards this task. But again, I think people, our members, will be happy with the outcome. So you mentioned that that kind of future picture will be pre presented to a right. council and shared larger. Can you talk about some of the other next steps in this process? Yes. So so I think there are a couple of things that are important. Um, very soon, uh, everyone will hear, you know, we have our, 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 our strategic um, council, the oversight group, if you will. Uh, but there are a number of uh, uh, councils that are also being created to look at specific mission elements. Um, the, I hope you all recall that the idea was that uh, we would have an overarching uh, strategic plan for the university, but then there would be important components, a clinical piece launched and led by Dr. Hunter and others with outside facilitation, but also simultaneously uh, in a collinear fashion, working on multiple things simultaneously, we would have a research task force as well as an education task force. And we also will have, we already have a key performance metrics task force who's charged with identifying how we're going to measure our progress or lack thereof. And remember the metrics can be qualitative and quantitative, but we have expertise, uh, we have experts uh, throughout the university that are sitting on that task force. So the next steps would be uh, very soon to, to present these timeless aspirations, as well as the descriptions we think that capture the voice of the members, uh, have that reviewed by the strategic oversight group, and then uh, after they feedback, then uh, send that out to the community again to look at it. So there'll be 
multiple opportunities along the way for folks to see the progress that has been made, to understand the process. We'll try to illustrate that visually, perhaps in a video, to talk about how we go from thousands of ideas and 859 descriptions down to the set that we're going to present. That'll be an opportunity for folks to see, yes, I understand the process uh, and determine if they understand the process or let us know. And then hopefully the way this works is folks will say, I understand the process. Perhaps my idea, which was a great one, by the way, just didn't get prioritized initially. But nothing is excluded. Now, I don't. I think that uh, if I had to guess, we might be able to get 859 descriptions down to 100 or maybe 50. Uh, and the idea is we will then prioritize or try to collapse those further so that we can attach objectives, uh, resources, and tactics, and metrics to each one of them. Because every good strategic planning process is iterative, I, I don't want folks to think of this as one and done. Every, if, we, if we're doing it right, every three months, perhaps sooner, every four months, every six months, every year, we'll be asking ourselves, how well are we doing against what we said we were going to do? And we will revise the plan accordingly. And that means the members will have ample opportunity to see this. We're thinking even about how we might show our progress on a website at O2 or something like that. So folks can see, here are our, uh, you know, here's our dashboard. Here's what we said we we're going to do, and this is how well we're doing based on these measures. So everyone can see it, and everyone will continue to have opportunities to weigh in. That's, I believe, is the next important process. I've mentioned the councils who, as we take the 13 or 12, let's just say, major descriptions that we have, then uh, part of them, some of them will relate to research, some are education, some to governor, some to oversight. The committees will then be uh, working uh, to establish objectives related to each of those descriptions and the same thing, tactics, resource requirements, etc. All of that gets funneled up to the oversight group, which is broadly representative, representative of the university. I'm talking, I think every component, every entity, every school is, is represented there to see, to ask a question, did we get that right? And then later on, here are the resource requirements, and that's how we decide how we're going to prioritize because our resources are finite. But I think it's a, it's a roadmap it's a, it's, it, for future investment of people, places, time, energy, effort, as well as margin. So it sounds like if my idea doesn't surface to the top right now, I don't have to give up hope. No, no. What I would like is that uh, folks will feel confident that their voices were heard, but that the members decided what to prioritize, not what to exclude forever and ever, but what to prioritize in terms of what we do first. I wanted to say a, a few more things about the councils. As I've mentioned, we have a strategic oversight group, but we also will have research education and clinical councils charged with each individual element of the strategic plan. I wanted to make sure everyone understood that these are not a new form of governance. These are temporary groups that are charged with actually addressing, launching those elements of the strategic plan I've talked about, moving beyond timeless aspirations to objectives, tactics, resource requirements, as well as accountability. So I think the councils will be charged with answering some of those questions uh, that are posed by the members. What is our, the ideal configuration as regards governance and oversight for all the things that we want to do? But I don't want folks to think that they are replacing anything. I think that conversation needs to be had. Again, if we're going to be max, maximally efficient, maximally effective, responsive to the needs of everyone we serve, how should we best configure ourselves? If we're going to advance our research mission, what's the best way to do that? That includes people 
places, things, times, energy, resources, all those things. So, so it's not a new form of governance. It might have more of a crowdsourcing element to it than previously, but it's not meant to replace any of the existing committees. It's mean to ask, do we have the right number of committees and are they configured in the right way with the right charges to achieve all we want to achieve? And so I expect that their work will end uh, when the strategic planning process uh, uh, is complete, or at least when it's first launched. When I talked about the importance of uh, checking ourselves along the way, it might be that if we're not performing according to expectations, according to something that the members identify as important, we might need to say, well, maybe we need to reconfigure ourselves or form a new committee or some sort of group. But I think that's crit critically important. And the last thing I want to emphasize is that, you know, we will certainly welcome anyone's input as how best to participate going forward. I'd like to say to everyone that uh, the amount of material that they have to review will get smaller. <laughs> uh, but we want to continue to provide every opportunity for members to voice their concerns by showing each step along the way the work that we've completed. You wrote this week in The Why about finding the joy of academic health care. Yeah. Uh, what's the joy of academic health care <laughs> to you? And, and I imagine you're keeping that in mind as we talk about the strategic planning process. Well, yeah. So it's a very personal question, which I appreciate. And so I, I'll have to, as a preamble, say, well, I will certainly share what I think the joy of academic healthcare is to me, but I think it's what is academic healthcare to us. That's been the underpinning of the crowdsourcing strategic planning process anyway. But if you ask me that very personal question, which I uh, uh, welcome, I'd say the joy is actually in service and making a difference to me. So I'd like to be able in real time <laughs> to be able to say that we work together and we are therefore doing a better job uh, as regards all of our responsibilities, uh, all through the lens, as I've said before, of uh, tending to the health and well-being of Oregonians. So that would mean to me I feel like I was a part of a team and working together, perhaps through some difficult conversations or some trying times, we were able to identify a way forward and all put our shoulder to it and in real time improve our, our organization. And that improvement has to be, in my view, measured at least in part, if not substantially, uh, the quality of the service we're providing. So that would be joyful. And then uh, sometimes I talk about joy. I enjoy, enjoy coming to work. Uh, <laughs> if we do all those things, I'm going to enjoy coming to work. And I think hopefully everyone will enjoy coming to work. Well, I think that's, that shines through <laughs> how you talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Thank you very much for thank, your time. Thank you very much. In the second half of today's podcast, Josh takes us to night school a new series of community-facing science talks told by Night Cancer Institute researchers, clinicians, and patients. If we could start off by just letting us know, what is your role here at OHSU? I'm Brian Drucker. I'm the director of the OHSU Night Cancer Institute. And I'm Alan Tomlinson. I'm the director of strategic communications for the Night Cancer Institute. And my name's Hi Pham, and I'm a surviving cancer patient who was treated here at OHSU. Well, thanks again for joining me today. Um, can you give us a little bit of background on what is night school? Well, I think people in our area are very familiar with the Night Cancer Institute. Um, they know us because they helped us meet our billion-dollar challenge. Um, what they need to know and what we would like for them to know is how we have taken that investment and we are working diligently toward ending cancer as we know it. 
So night school is a series of community-facing events uh, monthly where our scientists get an opportunity to tell the world what they are doing and educate and give people a glimpse into the complexities of um, ending cancer. That's a major undertaking. Yes. Who is giving these presentations? Who, who is presenting and who is doing the education to our community? Each event, each month, um, will have three or four presenters, uh, and they represent clinicians, faculty, researchers, and patients. And in some cases, also core support personnel. There are a lot of different ways to work at the Knight Cancer Institute and to contribute in our quest to remove the burden of cancer. And we will eventually hear from all of those voices. Well, as Alan has mentioned, we're so incredibly grateful to the 10,000 donors, most of whom are from Oregon. And we want to spend some time letting people know what's happening in this building that they built. We have a great story to tell. We're, we're pushing the boundaries of science. We're making new discoveries every day. And we want to be able to share those discoveries with people and to share stories of hope for what we're accomplishing and what the future is going to look like when we think of a world that's freed from the burden of cancer. And what that would actually mean in our world. Yes, absolutely. Well, what does that mean to you to be able to tell your story back and, and recognize um, people who have helped you along the way? Yeah, it's definitely a great honor to be able to sit here amongst these great minds here at OHSU. It's definitely a privilege. Um, what it means to me is I can't always put into words, uh, but to, to be able to get the gift of life from you know the doctors here, especially Dr. Jerker, has allowed me to pay it forward and help out other people in this world. So uh, this just means so much. You mentioned one of the goals of night school is to to educate our community. What are some of? Do you have some other goals? Yes, uh, we we want to inspire. We we want to inspire hope. Um, one of our monthly presentations is going to be around careers in um, cancer and cancer research. So we also want young people to come and be excited about the ability to participate in this and to find meaningful careers in cancer research or cancer care. Every month is a different theme. And the four, the three or four people who are speaking that evening are telling their version of the story from a different lens. But when you put it all together, it's a very um, compelling and, and interesting story. So we want to inspire hope. We want to thank people for their investment in the Knight Cancer Institute and their support of what we do, because we wouldn't be here if it weren't for lots and lots of people who've participated. One of the things that are, we're aiming for is to make this accessible to people, meaning oftentimes as, as scientists, we speak at a level that occasionally is difficult to understand. The team of individuals working on these talks have very carefully worked with all the presenters to make sure that it's, it's accessible. Because again, part of communications is making sure that the message gets heard in a way that, that can be received. And so we've been deliberate about practicing, rehearsing, writing scripts, and getting feedback to make sure that, that people do actually understand what we're, we're trying to talk about, but without putting it at a level where we're, we're, we're teaching to a first grader. And we're aiming for a, a sophisticated audience that's here to learn, but we're not trying to talk over them either. And we're also here to answer questions. 
I think the night school has also done a great job in bringing a personal human side to it. It's not just the science, the numbers, you know, the data, but, you know, there is a patient on the other end of that, and they've done a really good job to, you know, uh, share that story and how it's affected everybody here. If people do want to learn more um, about night school, where should they go? Uh, the website is ohsunightschool.com, night with a K. We will also be filming our presentations, and they'll be available on the website the day after the presentation. We have a somewhat limited audience. Uh, Our auditorium um, can hold 290 people. So we do ask that people make a reservation just so that we don't oversell. But if you are unable to come, if it sells out or for whatever reason you're unable to come, you can watch a podcast the next day. Excellent. And, and these are events are, are free? They are free. Yes. Yes, absolutely free. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and for sharing um, some of the research going on here at Night Cancer Institute. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. OHSU Week is a production of Strategic Communications. This episode was produced by me and edited by Josh Anderson. I'm Patrick Holmes. See you next week.